Well, good morning, church at Avenue South. Thanks for coming today. If you're visiting with us, I'm not your campus and teaching pastor. I'm just the uh, stunt double for today, perhaps. Uh, you've been here for any length of time and you know Aaron Bryant, you know that we look nothing alike. He's like six inches taller, about 50 pounds bulkier, let's say. And he has less, well, not actually less hair. I guess he has the same amount of hair, just his is on his face, mine's on my head. So anyway, great. Uh, that wasn't an insult. That was true. Okay. Anyway, great to have you guys here. We've been in the book of Philippians now for the entire month of July. And uh, boy, I get the privilege of bringing chapter four to your attention today as we kind of wrap up the series. And we've been talking a lot about joy, uh, specifically how joy is different uh, than happiness. Uh, it really is one main thing we've looked at. When you think about Happiness is based so much on our circumstances, what's happening to us, uh, what are we anticipating happening, what are the things that we have. But when you talk about joy, we always, often I would say, pair the word joy with of the Lord or joy in the Lord. And so we have this joy as believers in Christ that simply surpasses uh, the, anything we can have in regards to happiness. And so today, as we look at chapter 4, Boy, there's so much in uh, the verses. Aaron's like, hey, you can preach anything you want between verses like 1 and 20. And I thought, boy, that's, that's a big chunk because in the first part, uh, there's a couple of uh, people who are just doing great things for the Lord, but they're kind of mixing it up a little, getting, uh, I don't know, fighting a little bit. So Paul has to kind of chastise them. Then you get near the middle end of the book, and we see a lot about uh, having, doing all things through Christ who strengthens us. People have memorized that verse through the ages, and hey, it's, it's a great verse. It's, it, it's amazing, but that's not what we're preaching on today. No, we are going to start in verse 4, and uh, we're going to go through verse 9. And let's, let's do this. We often uh, do this here. We stand in honor of God's Word. If you wouldn't mind doing that, just stand with me. If you want to open your Bibles, yeah, to the book of Philippians, chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 4. And we are going to read through verse 9. It says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if anything is of moral excellence, if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word that we have it. We can think about it. We can savor it. We can learn from it. And I pray if there's anybody within the sound of my voice today that needs to hear about peace in an anxious world, that you'll calm their hearts today, that you'll give them something to walk away with that they can lean on when they have anxiety, when they have worry, when they need to refocus their mind and their thoughts on you and obtain that peace that surpasses all understanding that only comes from you. So help us to hear what you have for us today. In Christ's name, amen. You can be seated, gang. You might have noticed I was reading some of that off the screen, and I think it's because I 
Boy, I memorized those verses years ago, uh, probably even before I was a pastor. I don't know why. I guess I just always found them comforting because maybe I'm always uh, thinking about other things that will take my mind off of being joyful, uh, being peaceful, uh, uh, get this anxiousness within me. You notice it starts in uh, verse 4. And the reason, again, I was reading is because I memorized it in another version. So I kind of kind of revert to that when I talk about it. And you'll probably notice that today that sometimes you'll see these verses on the screen. You'll be like, Bill, that's not exactly what it says. Well, no, because I'm kind of going back in my mind to what I had memorized. And the first verse, he starts out there, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. He says it twice, I guess for emphasis. And when someone tells you to rejoice, and they tell me to rejoice, I think, okay, I can probably, I, I, can, I can do that some. I can, I can think about rejoicing. I don't feel like I'm always doing that, but I think Paul's like, hey, keep on rejoicing. So I understand that. I think I can kind of lean in on that at times. But then he goes right into verse 5, and he says, not to do something, but to not do something. Man, when someone tells me not to do something, I want to do it. I can't stop myself. So it's like when you have a child, don't do this, they want to do it, you know? And Paul's telling us, don't worry, don't be anxious, be anxious for nothing. That makes me anxious. That makes me feel like, okay, I'm anxious, I shouldn't be anxious, now I feel guilty for being anxious. Paul's telling me, don't do something, it just makes me want to do it. What are the things that make us anxious? When you, when you settle down and kind of ponder those things, situations, I asked a number of people this week, what makes you anxious? It was amazing the variety of answers I would get to that question. Some would say, well, when I have to go into a setting and I have to make small talk, it makes me anxious. These are people I consider extroverts. I said, that makes you anxious. Yeah, I just don't know what to talk about. It's like, well, you, you fooled me because you're pretty good at it, you know, but they, they're anxious. Some people said, well, when I have to drive in heavy traffic, boy, I get really anxious, a little, little, little sweaty, you know, sweat breaks out of my brow there when that happens. I felt that you're driving down through a construction zone and there's that concrete barrier on one side and a semi pulls up on the other and you're kind of between them. Man, I get anxious. I don't like that. Yeah, it's not good. Some people said they go into a, if they're in a room or they're working somewhere that doesn't have any windows, they feel kind of kind of closed in, makes them feel anxious. I have a few guys that I play golf with on occasion. They were in the first service, and I said to them, you know, it's, it's like when you have that two or three foot putt for birdie, and you don't want to miss it because your friends are going to laugh at you, but you know it's not easy to make, and so you get anxious, you know? People get anxious about that. It's just unreal. A couple of other things. Somebody said to me that when they get uh, they have big news, and they text another person with the big news, or they call and leave a message, and they don't hear back right away. They get anxious. I guess they're trying to wonder, what is it that the other person is thinking? Why are they not responding to me? Some people don't like going to the doctor or the dentist, or they've got to have a tough conversation with somebody, and they're thinking it through in their mind. They're going through, what am I going to say? What are they going to say to me? How's it going to play out? And they're kind of role-playing it in their head, and they're, they're, they're getting themselves all amped up. But God says, hey, don't do that. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to, to God. Pray about everything. Pray about everything. I thought, hmm. People will sometimes say, well, do I, does everything mean like the small things as well as the big things? Is it just the big things I should pray about? Maybe I should pray about the small things too? Is that, is that legit? And I will say to them, you know, if you 
think about God, your, your concept of God, as the all-powerful, all-knowing creator of the universe, the heavens, the earth, everything else. Is anything really big to, to God? I mean, everything, nothing is big. It's all small. So anything you bring to God, he wants to hear. He's interested in any detail of your life. What's big to you is small to God. And that can be comforting to us when we actually start praying about things. Why does it say to pray with thanksgiving? I think it's because we have to recognize, hey, God cares for us. He's going to answer us. It's not always the answer that we want, but we pray with thanksgiving knowing that God has our best interest at heart. He cares about what we're bringing to him. And the result of praying when we give these things over to God is we get this peace. The peace of God and the Bible says here, passes all understanding. It guards our hearts and minds. We need to guard our heart. You hear people say that. Sometimes I'll tell uh, my friends that, or even my, my daughter, uh, other people, hey, guard your heart. In other words, protect what gets in there. Got to take care of it. If I think of the heart as kind of the seat of our emotions and our thoughts, but we need to guard that. And when the peace of God is guarding it, boy, there's no other guard better than that. It's not really peace with God, the peace we have with God comes from what? Well, it comes from our belief in Jesus. So if we believe that we're separated from God, that God made a way for us to be reconciled to himself through Jesus, he rose from the dead, he gave his very life for us. If we accept that, we have peace with God, but this is a different peace, the peace of God, this peace and this contentment that can come over us. And if you've ever had that peace, boy, that's a good feeling. Oh, that feels so nice when we have it. Sometimes it's fleeting, and that's why we have to continually take these things to God and let this anxiousness go away. But Paul doesn't just leave it there with bringing everything to the Lord through prayer. He says something else. He says that we can, um, that we can have peace through thinking about good things. Because when we start worrying about things, we have these conversations in our own mind, worry is a conversation. It's a conversation with yourself about things that you can't change. But prayer is a conversation with God about things that he can change. That's why I say it's always best to take things to God. I was reading a, uh, a little email I got this morning. I don't usually read emails on Sunday morning, but I saw this email. It's from a friend of mine, uh, Jason Vanover, who's a uh, missionary uh, in Canada, and the very top of this uh, newsletter he sent, I happened to open it up because the title caught my eye, and it said, uh, when we work, we work. Sounds obvious. When we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. And I thought, yeah, that kind of goes along with what I'm thinking about for prayer, that I can do things on my own or I can do things with God. And that's what leads to this peace that we have Let's, uh, let's do a quick exercise before we go to the next verse. I want to show you a picture of something uh, on the screen. And when this picture comes up, what I want you to do is, yeah, that's a, that's a little uh, party that went on at our house. I guess they're in our life group. That's, that's my life group there. And uh, we had a, a little birthday party. We tried to celebrate birthdays. That's nice, right? Everyone enjoys that. Uh, very few people who were like, no, no, don't, don't bake me a delicious cake. I'll just go without that. It doesn't happen too often. And so we had some people over. Uh, it was one of their birthdays, and, uh, or I think two, actually, in this occasion. So here's what I want you to do with the picture. Uh, it's pretty simple. I want you to look at the picture. And try to find two, maybe three things in there that are 
the color yellow. Yeah, just look at the picture. Pick out two or three things in that picture that are the, that are the color yellow. Kind of stare at those for a minute. Think about them. Okay, we're going to remove the picture. And I'm going to ask you about, did you notice any things in there that were blue? Yeah, not yellow, blue. The reason I ask you that question is because when you are focusing in on what's yellow, it's harder to remember what was blue or what was purple or what was gray, you know, those kind of things. And I think in our minds, when we start focusing on anxiety and trouble and worry, we just lose sight of the good things in life. We lose sight of our faith. We lose sight of God. We lose sight of the things that he's done for us. You can turn that around. When you're focusing on the good things, let's pretend the yellow things are the good things that we have. You don't notice the anxiety producing things as much. So a lot of dealing with anxiety is how are we going to put our focus on? Are we going to put it on God? Are we going to take it to him, cast those burdens on him, and let him fill our heart, take care of our problems? Or are we going to keep churning it over in our mind, right? Second thing he says when he goes on to verse... I think this is verse 8, perhaps. He says, finally, which I think is kind of funny because he said finally, yeah, in, uh, in, in, in chapter 3, and he was just kidding, I guess. I don't know. He did, it wasn't finally, and here he says finally again. Finally, he says, whatever is true. Uh, here's where I'm going to kind of quote, quote my own version here. Uh, finally, whatever is true, uh, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is commendable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. And I thought, okay, this is something that we can hold on to here. He's telling us to ponder the good things in our life. We pray. We can also ponder the good things. Paul's not saying that everything is good, but verse 8 clearly assumes there are some good things to think about. If there is anything excellent or praiseworthy, and yes, there is things, there are, see, I did the wrong, wrong English there, there are things that are excellent and praiseworthy that we can think about, that we can put into our minds that kind of replace these anxiety-producing things. Paul's not saying that all life is good, that everything is, is rosy, but he is saying, can you just spend a little bit of your day thinking about the things that are good in your life or in the world? I thought this was an interesting list because if I was talking to uh, some Christians and I asked them what we should think about, my guess is they would use some other words. I don't know that they would use these words. They would probably say, think about uh, love, uh, think about humility, think about forgiveness. But Paul doesn't put those words in the list. So I feel like this is a very, mm, I'm going to call it universal list that applies to Christian and non-Christian alike. Christians don't have the corner on the good things in the world. You know that? We probably have the corner on the best thing, I would say. But there are a lot of good things. So when you go to your workplace, you're able to see good things that happen. The word that Paul uses here for excellence, if there's anything excellent, uh, it's kind of a Greek word that means uh, moral virtue, uh, excellence, that kind, of, that kind of thing. And so you can see that anywhere you go. You might have a, a, a superior at work who you see treating uh, one of their employees with kindness and respect. You can celebrate that. That's a good thing. You might have a fellow employee or a friend who is just great at remembering everybody's names. And so when someone comes into a meeting or a room or an office, uh, they, they know their name and, and they know something about them. I mean, that's a gift. You can, you can celebrate that. That's something good in the world. 
When you go into work, you can be a positive influence there because you can find good things. People love genuine, uh, good words that you say to them. But we don't always bring those things. I tell the teams here, I coach a lot of the teams in the various North region campuses and some at the Brentwood campus. You know, we're part of a bigger organization. Um, I always tell them, you know, there's three things to making a good team. This is kind of a bonus point. I'm just sliding this in there. And the first thing we need to have to make a good team is consistency. We need to be uh, with each other. We need to be regularly seeing each other. The second thing is vulnerability. We need to have some sort of vulnerability where we share some real thoughts, some feelings of our life. And the third thing we need, this might be a surprise to you, maybe not, is positivity. It's kind of like what Paul's talking about here. When we bring consistency, vulnerability, and positivity to our teams, we can change them, guys. We can change what is happening in our workplace. Uh, maybe we have to reframe a little how we see the uh, annoying employee who's kind of spontaneous and you know getting crazy all the time and just think, hey, at least they're making this workplace more fun. Uh, maybe we need to think about the bean counter who's making us you know, get our expense reports done and keeping us under budget and watching what we spend and thank them because they're helping our company make a profit and so we can make a bigger salary or we can get a bigger bonus at the end of the year, whatever it might be. We just kind of reframe a little bit about how we're thinking about people. And Paul says that when we do that, we get something. We get something out of it. We get this peace of God. Because after this, after we ponder these good things, he says something else. Now, the verse I read to you, uh, let me see, verse 9 says, uh, let us, I'm trying to remember the exact version here, uh, put verse 9 on the screen if you don't mind. Let's look at verse 9. There it is. Do what you've learned and received and heard from me and seen in me. Um, this is okay. Uh, but the version that I had memorized a long time ago, I like a little bit better. And it's because of this. It says this. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice. I think it puts more of the emphasis on that word practice. Now, I don't know if you use any kind of Bible study tools. When you're, if you're reading the Bible for yourself and you're just like, ah, I read it, I see what I get out of it, wonderful. That's great. If you want to dig a little bit deeper into some of the, uh, yeah. I won't even say some of the meanings, just with some of the words and how they're organized. There's this online tool uh, called the Blue Letter Bible, which someone told me about a number of years ago. There's an app on your phone. You can go to it on the website. They have this version of the Bible in there they call the interlinear. I know I'm geeking out a little on theology here on you guys, but there's this interlinear. So it takes these Greek, uh, the Greek words, which is the, most of the New Testament was originally written in Greek, and it translates them word for word into English. And so when we start looking through it, the way that I quoted that verse to you at the end is a lot about how it really lines up, right? You have the things that I learned and received and have heard and have seen, then it has the word do. I'm translating that practice. We do those things. So when we pray, we ponder about it, then we practice these things that we have learned about, that we know to do. About three weeks ago, I think it was, Aaron was talking about chapter 2. Of Philippians, And he said that one of the ways that we live out our faith is to put our faith into practice. We serve others. We're kind to others. We, we literally take our faith and we live it out. And when we do that, we get something else. We get this, the God of peace, it says, is with us. And I thought, that's interesting. Because in verse 7, no, verse 5, we have the peace of God. 
Uh, and now we have this God of peace. And so the God of peace will be with you. And I thought, that's interesting that when we serve, I always tell people when they're serving, I hope you feel God's pleasure when you're using your giftedness, your talents to serve the Lord. You know, we had a team this last week that went to Guatemala. They did a lot of different things there, uh, including getting stranded, and so they're not here this morning trying to get back from Houston. But when they went down there, some of them are medical people. They're used doing medical uh, missions. Others are doing construction. They're doing work like that. Some are working with children. Uh, you know, everybody has something that they can contribute to the life of the church and the life of spreading the gospel. I, I love that. We don't have to worry about, well, I, don't, I can't do this, so I'll do this. I'm not musical, so I can't do it. It doesn't matter. God has something that you can do. He wants you to practice those things. Practice our gratefulness. Maybe that's where you start today, is you find a way that you can practice your faith. Maybe we need to reframe our, our thoughts and kind of get out of the rabbit hole of anxiety by being grateful for what we have. Got several friends. One of my cousins, in fact, loves to uh, write in this gratefulness journal that she has. And uh, even when we're on vacation together, which, man, I'm grateful for vacation. I'm grateful for the beach. Uh, she, she would have this journal, and I would see she would write in it every morning, something that she was grateful for. You see a lot of uh, research on this I've heard about, you know, where you can, at the end of the day, hey, write down three or four or ten things that you're grateful for for just that day. I thought there must be something to that, you know? If both we're seeing it in the Bible and even in the, in the, in the secular world, people are seeing the benefits of gratefulness in our life and how that can impact us and how that can give us more positivity. It's not a false sense of positivity. It's, it's changing your focus to the things that can really help you to feel better about life. Second thing you might do is just memorize some sort of passage of Scripture, Something that can help you when you start getting in this, in this uh, funk of thinking about things that are bringing you anxiety, right? I mean, I memorized that Philippians passage long ago, I think because it's one that I go back to. Because I'm a guy that, you know, thinks about things. Sometimes I'll start worrying about things. Sometimes I worry about standing on the stage in front of people talking to them. I mean, that could happen, you know, and you have these things you think about. But when we read about letting worry go, Praying to God and that peace of God, I know what that peace feels like. And boy, is it a good feeling. So memorizing that scripture. Maybe it's memorizing uh, uh, one of the Psalms or some of the Proverbs. When I'm afraid, I trust in you. Beautiful little proverb. Or Psalm 125, talking about how we're in a city that God surrounds us almost like with a military uh, force that can just make us feel so secure, so safe when we're within the realm of God's will. It's beautiful. The last thing I wrote down here about something we could do is to think about a song. Music is so powerful in impacting our lives. I mean, I could sing you some songs right now from the 70s. Yes, I grew up in the 70s. That I could think about, and they're not godly, so I won't. But <laughs> there's these, you know, you think about the words that you've heard to songs, right? And if you can find a song that you really like, maybe it's Good, Good Father. Maybe it's The Goodness of God. Maybe it's one of the other songs that we're singing this morning. And you can play that in your head and think about it. Boy, it, it can replace so many negative thoughts in our life. 
You know, you're a good, good father. That's who you are. That's who you are. I'll say that sometimes. Sometimes when I'm going to sleep, I'll say that. And I don't have any trouble sleeping, guys. Let me tell you that. I can go to sleep in, in about a minute. My wife will tell you that. And she'll testify to that. But maybe a song. Maybe that's what it needs to be for you. Something to focus on the good things. Because when we rejoice and we pray, we find this joy of God. We find this peace that only comes from him. When we ponder and we practice, the God of peace is with us. It's just a beautiful circle of how that works. Matthew tells us that we're to seek first the kingdom of God. I'm going to ask the band to kind of start wandering this way as I wrap it up here. That we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And right after that, Matthew tells us that Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough trouble of its own. Worry about today. Take care of today. Sometimes we worry about things that never happen. We, I'll often think about conversations. Those conversations never come to pass. Or I'll think about a situation that I think is going to happen, and it just doesn't happen. There's no use spending time on that. Think about today. Today has got enough trouble of its own. And when we think about today and stay focused on that, boy, things can go a lot better. We can be a lot more peaceful in our life. So I hope you'll take that under consideration and try to do that today. We're going to uh, move into a time of communion this morning. You see the tables down front. And one of the reasons we take communion, really the primary reason Jesus told us, it's to remember what he did for us, right? To, as we take the, the bread and the juice, uh, some of you have done this before, you know that, symbolizes the body and the blood of Christ, it's a symbol. And he says, when you do this, as often as you do it, you're remembering what I did for you. That's really what we want to do today. I'm going to give you some time. Uh, you're going to think about it. You're going to be able to come up when the time is right. We'll all kind of stand. And I'm going to, I'm going to make a command decision here. You're going to kind of walk toward the aisles. Uh, you're going to come up to the tables. The, the men will serve you. Uh, then you'll go back to your seat. You'll just sit there. You can pray about the elements and anything, any business you want to do with the Lord. And then we'll all take it together uh, at the same time. So I'm going to let the Guys, get in place here, and then I'm going to pray for us. Then you can rise, and you can come forward and uh, take the elements uh, back to your seat at your leisure. God, thank you for today. We can have peace of God, the God of peace literally walking with us through our days. Lord, would you help us to refocus our thoughts through prayer, through pondering the good things, through practicing what you've shown us is right to do. Let us be content with that, Lord. There's so much trouble in the world, but I pray that we can cast our cares upon you today and have that amazing peace which truly does pass all understanding to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. For we ask it in his name. Amen. You can stand together. You come forward when you're ready.